you know, we have an adversary. We have someone that dislikes us, that doesn't want us to know the true love that God has for us because He created us in His image, in His likeness. He has created us to worship Him. But because we have that special bond, Satan doesn't want you to experience that. He's going to put things in your life. He's going to put trials in your life. He's going to tug away at the little small things, the weaknesses that we have to tear us away from that love. Now, the Bible tells us that if we come to Him and we ask Him to forgive us, then no one can tear us from that love of God. But we can get so distracted by the world and everything the world has to offer, that we can be torn away by our own choice without even realizing that we're making that choice because Satan is using our weaknesses against us. And that's where we totally have to completely depend on God 100% of every day, every day of our life, so that when our weakness is there, he comes along beside us to walk with us, to make us strong. It says even when the weak, He can make us strong. And so tonight we're going to be talking about it's time to let go and to be free. You know, the, with the world society and with everything that Satan throws against us, it's so easy to get blindsided from the truth. Even as ministers, we get so caught up in the day-to-day things that we have to do that if we are not careful, we can fall into little traps along the way that Satan can get, get us discouraged, to get us depressed, that we will even fall and choose to leave the ministry, that even though that once God put that calling on your life, it never changes. But we choose because Satan knows our weaknesses. So we're going to look at 11 scriptures tonight of things that God has promised. And as long as we trust in those things, then we will have victory. Those chains of bondage that life throws our way can be broken off and never to return onto our lives. So we're going to look at those 11 scriptures, starting in John uh, chapter 8 and verse 36. It says, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. It doesn't matter what you used to do. When you come to know Christ as your personal Savior, then it doesn't matter. It don't matter. Satan, or God has already threw that stuff completely away. All the sins that I committed before I gave my life to Christ, it's gone. But you know, Satan, he's going to throw those at you. He's going to say, don't you remember the time when you was looking at things you don't supposed to? Or don't you remember the time that you done things? Or don't you remember the time when you tried alcohol or you tried drugs? He's going to throw that up so that you may stumble. But he tells us, God tells us in his word that, so if the Son sets you free, 
you are free indeed. That is a promise. There's nothing this world or no one in this world, not even Satan, can take you away from that as long as you keep your eyes on Christ. Over in John chapter 8 and verse 32, just a few scriptures up from the last one. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He forgives us our sins and purity us from all unrighteousness. All we have to do is confess. Say, Lord, You are my Savior. You are my hope. You are my future. And just like the video showed, all I want is is you very simple and know that your life is not your own you have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1 fear not for I have redeemed you I have called you by name you are mine he knew you before you was created. He knew you by name. He knows every hair that has been on your head that ever will be on your head. He's got to count it. He knows everyone yet that you've lost. I'm starting to lose some. Some of mine are starting to turn gray. But that's okay. God knows that too. And he's keeping track because he loves me that much. John 10.10 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So Satan wants to kill us. He wants to get rid of us. Especially if you proclaim to be a followers of Christ because he don't want you messing up his plan. And if you're truly on fire for God, you're going to mess up his plan some way, some way, somehow. That's my goal in life. I want to mess up his plan. I started at the age of 21 years old trying to win every young person I possibly can to Christ. Because that he knows, Satan knows if he can get a teenager and get them before they get in college, then he's got them. It's a proven fact that after they hit college, it's harder to reach. After they become an out and on their own, if they're not in church, it's harder to reach them. So Satan want to push that back as far as he can. So that's why we got to go so hard. Reaching the parents, but also reaching our kids and our teenagers. Over in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, I am sure of this, that he would begin a good work in you, bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We are his work. We are his masterpiece. And he's wanting to work on us. There's a skit by the skit guys. 
called Masterpiece. And basically it shares a story about a man that's trying to live for God, that's wanting to truly live for God, but, and God keeps on coming up to try to chisel a piece off of him. And the guy keeps on saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Not that part. But yet, it takes that chiseling away in our life to make us pure and holy where we need to be for Christ. And it should be a slow, not really slow, but it is a process. You don't just come to these altars one time and snot and cry and ask for forgiveness and it's all over. That's all you have to do. No, it's a work in progress. You're going to see changes in your life and it, it's going to continue till the day you die. You should grow closer to God. There should be some things as you're growing with God that God's going to reveal to you that you should want to get rid of. Because you want to get closer and closer and closer with Him each and every day. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wel welfare and not for evil. To give a future and a hope. He's wanting to give us a future and a hope. And the blessed hope is to live for him, live with him for eternity. To live in paradise. That's his goal. That was the intention when we were first created. Because in the cool of the day, he would come down and walk with Adam. That was his plan. But then sin entered the world. That free choice, that free will thinking. Messed it up. But you know, God didn't want a, a bunch of robots. He did want people to choose Him. So that's why He allowed us to have that free choice. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So it doesn't matter those things that used to be, that used to define you. It doesn't define you anymore. Those things that has held you back from really, truly serving God to really being able to touch other people's lives. When you truly give it over to God and that washes away, then the new comes on and it doesn't matter what the world says because once God cleans you then he's ready to use you and he's going to prove that you've been changed by the way you act by the way you talk by the things you do and people will notice if it's a true change in your life and that's the big key Romans 8 in chapter 1, or chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Once we get, give our life to Christ, He takes care of it. 
We don't have to, you know, when we're born, we're born into sin. And the wages of sin is death. And if we don't give our life to Christ, which paid for that sin upon the cross, then the reward that we have is to spend eternity in hell. But when we give our life to Christ, Jesus stands before the Father and says, Hey, this is one of mine. My blood that was shed on that cross paid for his sins. He can come into here. So when we give our life to Christ, even though we truly deserve But he has that grace that washes away that debt that we could never pay. And there's so many people out there today that tries to pay that debt themselves. They said, you know, I can't give my life to Christ until I get my life straightened. That doesn't work. You have to give your life to Christ and let him straighten out your life. It's a proven fact. Because the world, the design that Satan has for this world is so pulling on the human nature that we cannot get out of those things that binds us on our own. We need help. In Psalm chapter 103, verses 11 through 12, For as high as the heavens are above, the earth so is the great so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us when we give life when we give god our whole life everything that's within us all of those past things are no longer in his mind thought. He casts them away from him as far as the east is from the west. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I'll press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's our goal, is to get to that prize, to be able to be with Christ Jesus. But like I said, we do have an adversary that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to rip our families apart. He wants to cause division in the church. And believe me, he, he's very good at his job. You can watch news and find that out. If you really look at it, he's one of the greatest evangelists out there today. Because he is on top of his game. Trying to tear apart every person he can. We as a church have been called to be the light in the darkness. 
to make a difference in people's life. To be a hospital for the needy, for the hurting. And so many times our churches has become social clubs. When there's people hurting each and every day. You know, one of the biggest struggles that I have had in life, it wasn't alcoholism, wasn't drugs, but one of the things that, that Satan knows very well about me is when I do something, I want to be the very best that I possibly can. And so, at 14 years old, when God called me into the ministry, Satan already knew what God was going to do in my life. And so, Satan knew in order to try to stop what God had in store, he needed to try to destroy me. So, he already knew everything about me, he knew my weaknesses. And he started attacking me. And so he started planning in my mind that, Vincent, I know God's called you to preach, but you don't come from a preacher's home. You can't be a pre preacher. You can't be a pastor. You don't come from a pastor's home. So as I was going through high school, that was going through my head constantly. How can I be what God's called me to be when I don't even come from that lineage? No one in my family has ever been in ministry. And I actually bought into that lie. And so when I graduated high school, instead of going into a seminary or Bible college or something like that, I ran off to UAM and tried to get a degree in music to become a band director. Because I was like, there's no way. I don't have any pastors in my family. There's no way. And I hit rock bottom. And finally, I came to the altars and I said, God, you, you know, I really do want to do what you've called me to do. And I, and I know growing up in church, there's, I'm not going to be happy unless I surrender to that call. No matter what I try to do, what, no matter what I try to fill that void with, I'm not going to be happy. So if you still want to use me, here I am. But you know, that still doesn't settle with Satan too well. He still wants to get in there. And so even though I started on the path to be a youth pastor, stepped into a youth pastor position at least the Assembly of God, with no youth, I was like, God, I don't have any formal training. All I know is what I grew up listening to in my study time. I can't afford to go to Bible college. I've done messed up. I've got all these student loans. So how are you going to use me? And he began to put 
God began to put ministers in my life that started taking me under their wings, started ministering to me and started pouring their lives and their ministry into mine. But still, it was still in the back of my mind. I'm not going to be successful as a lot of these other youth pastors. I started looking at other youth groups in, in the section. I was like, God, they have a true youth ministry. I don't. But God kept on saying, just hang in there. Just trust me. It's coming. Then I got word that the Arkansas district was going to have the Arkansas School of Ministry. Where lay people could come and get Bible training and take Bible classes and get their credentials. Because that was another lie that Satan says. How can you truly be a minister if you don't hold credentials with somebody? Once again, God provided a way because I couldn't go to seminary. I couldn't afford um, a lot of other programs that was still out there because it was so much money up front. But then the Arkansas District came up with the RSOM where it was $50 a class plus the book and then one time entry fee of $25. I was like, now that's a little bit affordable. It's little money here and there. And so I got plugged in and went through the first year of credentialing and um, went through the interview process and received my certification. And I was like, finally, I feel like I've arrived. That I can now say I'm a minister. But you know, that card didn't mean anything. Surely it doesn't. Because when God tells you and calls you into something, that's all the credentials you need. But like I said, for me, I felt like I needed that. To make me feel like I'm doing what God's called me to do. But then, Satan still came and attacked. And he started attacking me and saying, you know, you got yours through the Arkansas District. You didn't go to Bible Seminary. Or look at this youth pastor over here. He has 30 kids in his youth group. You've got 15. He knew my weakness. And I'll be honest with you, I still fight that struggle all the time. And I have to keep coming back to these scriptures. Knowing that God says this. If as long as I keep my eyes on Him, keep following Him, He'll take care of the rest. There's even times when I'm sitting on the couch at the house or laying in my bed at night. 
where I can hear Satan saying, you're not a house parent. You're not being beneficial to new beginnings. Because like I said, I don't know what it is within me, but I have to feel like I can do it all by myself. And so if there's something that happens and it's outside of my control a little bit, I still feel guilty like I let somebody down. And so if I see a child go through that we might not be able to completely touch, it kills me inside. Because I, I know I've been sent here to make a difference. And if I can't make a difference, then I'm a failure. But God keeps on saying, no. You keep plugging away. You're not going to win everybody. You're not going to change everybody. And then I have to remember back when Jesus walked this earth. And when he was ministering on this earth, he didn't even reach everybody. Otherwise, he would have never been crucified. And so if the people hated Jesus, automatically people are going to hate me. Because Jesus lives inside of me. And so I have to daily come back to these scriptures. Daily in prayer saying, God, refresh my mind. Refill me with that Holy Ghost and fire that I don't lose track today. Of what you've called me to do. When things don't go to the plan that I have. Don't let me lose sight of your will. Because we get so caught up. And we get to the point where we think it has to go this way. All the time. But God is allowing Challenges in our life to make us stronger. But also to make sure we're continuing to put our faith and put our trust and put our hope into him. Because if everything's running the way that you think it should be all the time. Do you really think you're going to put that faith and that trust in him all the time? We as humans, we get a little bit prideful when things are going good for us. And we forget to thank God for those good things. But we're really good to point out the bad things when that come happen to us. God, why are you letting this? I'm going to church. I'm giving him my tithes. So why is this happening to me? There's a scripture that we just read, talked about that. He came to give us life more abundantly. He didn't say that he's going to make your life a bed of roses when you come to him. But he's going to give you life more abundantly. And so if you look at the meaning of life, there's all kinds of emotions that come with life. There's pain, there's hurt, there's sorrow, there's happiness, there's joys. And so if 
you're going to have all of those things in life and God's going to give you life more abundant. You're going to have more good time, but you're also going to have more bad times more than likely. Because it's through those trials and those tribulations in our life is when we are really put to the test and that we can be made stronger. It's just like when you're going through school. If your teachers are always teaching, but never challenging to see what you know, then what good is it? Yes, no one likes standardized testing. No one likes tests or pop quizzes. But without those things, how can we know what you are grasping in the area that you're supposed to be learning? And that, so that's why God allows things to shake up our life a little bit to see if we are truly learning what he wants us to learn. So it doesn't matter what you are dealing with tonight. God is here to break that and to give you the tools that you need to continue to grow in him, to continue to be successful in him, and to do what he has called you to do, whether whatever area of ministry that is. And just don't think when I'm talking about ministry, I'm not talking about standing behind a pulpit preaching or standing behind a, an instrument and singing and leading worship. Ministry is whatever you do to lead people to Christ. God calls people to work in these big industries, to be a light upon that job site. God calls people to the police department, to the road department, to whatever field, to be a light to the people that are there. Now the Bible does tell us that everyone that is called by His name does have a ministry. We are all called to go into the highways and the byways to reach the lost. And a lot of people look at that and say, well, I need to go to Africa or I need to go to El Salvador or Mexico. No, we got lost people right here in Centerton, Arkansas. That needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. But before we can truly do what God has called us to do, we got to make sure that all those chains that are binding us and that is holding us back is broken from us. And we can't do that. We have to trust God. Like I said, I shared a little personal endeavor for me not to make anybody feel sorry or look how good he's doing or any of that I shared it because I want you to know I'm human as well I struggle as well yes I may be an ordained minister with the assembly of God but I still have struggles and Satan still has my number because he doesn't want me to continue to make a difference in people's lives I heard a minister say one time if Satan is not bothering you. 
It's because he's not concerned because he already got you where he wants you. So if you hadn't been tried lately, you may want to check your spirit and make sure you're where you need to be with Christ. Because if you're truly doing what God is wanting you to do and uh, and has called you to do, Satan ain't going to let you want to do it. He's going to attack you some way, somehow. Because he don't ever sleep. He's not going to say, whoops, well, I, I let them buy and they got another one. That's not him. But how many Christians do we do that? We've been called to reach the lost, but yet, well, I guess Satan got that one. Well, our pastor didn't do good enough to reach that one. But it's not all up to the pastor. We're all called to be a messenger of Jesus Christ. We're all called. So what are we doing? Are we allowing Satan to tear us down with those small things in life? Those chains that he has wrapped around us? This human video that was played tonight showed just about everything that the world has to offer. That are attacking our youth today. And out of 13 years of youth ministry, and even with the kids I serve today, I see it on a daily basis. It hurts me to know that these kids, the life that they've had to live, the hurt, the pain, and then to watch them hurt themselves. I don't know, church, if you could, if you can stand by and see where teenagers are cutting themselves. Because they think that will take away the pain. And you think that's okay. There's something wrong with us. To see teenagers feel like the only way that they can have peace in their life is to take their own life. If that doesn't break your heart, then I don't know what will. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've heard a teenager say, it would be better if I was not here. Things would be better if I wasn't even here. But you know what? We don't know what that child could do for God. We don't know the impact that that child could have. And so if our hearts doesn't break for them, we can't even stand to even pray for them. Then we as a church, as a body of believers, have some checking to do with our lives.
so for me to sit around and waller in my self-pity because I think that I should be perfect at everything while I see teenagers hurting and wishing they was dead. That's not right. So I have to get away from that. That's where I have to rely on God to say, God, take this. I can't overcome this. I have to trust you. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not my plans, but your will be done. And I just stay focused and keep doing what God has called me to do, whatever it is, whenever it is, however it is possible. And a lot of times, the battle is not fought in person. The battle has to be fought in prayer. And we have gotten to a society that have lost the gift of intercessory prayer. We need to be praying each and every day for our teenagers, for our kids, for our church members, for our leaders in our community, in our leaders in our state, in our leaders in our nation. If you go a day without praying for someone, then you're missing out on what truly is a heartbeat after God. Because without that prayer, we might as well pack it up. Because that's our power source. That's how things get done. Because as we pray, God's going to give us knowledge. God's going to give us words to say to people. And we can't just walk up to some teenager that's hurting and just say, oh, we know how you feel. And make everything okay. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit that God would give us the right things to say at the right time that will make the most impact into their lives. That's how lives are changed. But if we're not even doing the groundwork, we can't expect to see the change. It's just like the building that is being built. If the groundwork was not done, there was no way that building would stand. So if we go out and we try to minister without doing the groundwork, we're in the wrong right off the get-go. We can't forget the true mission of the heart. We got to always remember. One thing that that Brother Ken always preaches to us to as house parents is we are here to rewrite a child's future. If we ever, as house parents, lose that focus and think we're there for any other reason but to change a child's future, then we might as well just pack up and leave. 
And I feel like as a church, if we are not about making sure our life is 100% where it needs to be with God so we can pray and seek after the lost to be saved, then we might as well shut the doors. Because that's our number one goal is to reach the lost. Not just across the seas, but right here at home. I know Pastor CJ's heart is there because he always wants to see people saved. He wants that trough to sit up here constantly being used to see people baptized. To have that public confession of faith. And that should be each and every one of our desires. And I'll be the first one to tell you there's time my eyes get blinded. And I have to say, God, forgive me. Let me focus back to what the true calling of life, and that's to reach other people for you. And it's so easy to do with our crazy life, work world, trying to make a living, trying to make money for our families, to provide for our families. And believe me, that's stuff we have to do. But immense all that we still have to reach the loss while we're doing it. Believe me, I'm preaching to me as much as I am anybody else in this room tonight. Because even this week, even this week I've had things that came up. And I was like, why couldn't I have done a better job? Why wasn't I there for that? But at the same time, I'm only one man. I can only do so much. And as long as I'm doing what God's called me to do and doing it with the best ability that I possibly can, and trusting that he's going to supply everything else, then that's all I can do. So I got to quit trying to beat myself down so I can focus on what is, needs to be done. A lot of times, you're your own worst critic. I know I am. Just within the last three weeks, I've sat in two people's offices. And almost had the same pity party both times. I looked back over my life. I was sitting in the pastor's office. And I was looking back over my 13 years of youth pastoring. And I actually st stated this word. I said, I feel like a failure because in each youth ministry I was a part of, we was able to see growth, but when I left, it crumbled. I had that pastor look at me and say, Vincent, that's not on you. 
you've done what you're supposed to do. When you were supposed to leave, you left because God called you to another position, another calling. But I've, at that time, I felt like in order to be successful, you've got to have those successful stories that follows. Like I said, I'm just being real tonight. I hope that's okay. But I felt like a failure. Because you look around and you, you hear the stories of ministers and, and pastors that has done great things. And you see the church flourishing after they left. And I thought that's what it was to be successful. And I had that pastor look at me and say, those teenagers that you reached through the help of Jesus Christ. Was that in vain because the youth group is no longer there? I said, you know what? It's not. I don't know where those young people are today or what's going on in their life, but the seed was planted. Just a few weeks ago, I was sitting at one of the services at district council. And I was looking around me at all the ministers and the delegates that was there. And once again, I felt like the little ant. I was like, how can I ever measure up to any of these guys in this room? And God just came over me and said, Vincent, stay focused to what I have for you. Because it's not about recognition. It's not about self-pride. It's not about anything but just doing what you're called to do. And not letting little things hinder the bigger picture of what God has in store. So tonight, it's time to let go of those things. Whether it's pride, whether it's fear, whether it's worry, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's smoking cigarettes, whatever it is. It's time to let it go. To be in the freedom of God and allow God to use you to make an impact to those around you. We only have a short time left. Whether God decides to call us all home or whether we die, we only have so much longer to work. We don't have another day to waste. Because even if we may still have some time, someone else may not. And we may be the only one that can reach them. And if we're not about our business, doing what God's called us to do, they may slip and go into eternity in hell. 
because we were sleeping on the job. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, musicians may come back. Dear in the Father, I just ask that you would just speak to us tonight. You know each and every one of us here probably preaching to the choir more than anything else tonight. But I just pray that you would just speak to us and that you would remind us about the vision that you need us to be focused on. Whatever area of ministry, wherever that ministry is in our life, I pray that you would just put that vision so strong in us. Put that passion so strong into our hearts that we can't let go. And whatever struggles that is going on in our lives tonight, as these scriptures that we looked at, at the promises you made us, that we would begin to give them to you, that you would break them on, off of our life tonight, and that we won't pick them up when we leave this room tonight. That we will walk out of here a free man, a free woman, to do what you call us all to do, to be the light into this dark world around us. And right now, Lord, I'm going to lead by example by praying for every person in this room that you would just fill their hearts. You know every desire. You know every problem. You know every hurt, every pain that is going through their life right now, Lord. And I pray that you would begin to touch them. Begin to send people in their life that's going to be able to encourage them to speak life into their life. But I also pray for this community, oh God. That you would begin to work a fresh new touch. And that you would use our church to be the lighthouse. And I pray for our leaders here in Centerton, Lord. As they make the rules and the regulations for all of us. That it will be your will. Your will to go through, Lord God. And all the other communities around us, I pray for the leadership. I pray that you would guide them. Be with our uh, first responders, oh God. Keep them safe as they protect us, oh God. We also pray for our state. Be with our governor all the way down, Lord. Every person that has any influence in the politics, Lord, we pray your will be done in every aspect. Every issue that is being brought up, Lord, we pray your will to be done. And also for our nation, oh God. We just pray that you would forgive our land, forgive us as Christians, forgive us as a body, and to heal our land. To bring us back to you, to be a country that is focused on your will and your purpose and your plan. Be with our president. And I pray if he doesn't truly know you, that he will surrender his life to you, 
and that you will use him to bring our country together and bring our country back to you. It's not us. It's you. And I believe that you are still on the throne. You still have the power. And your will will still go through. And even in the last days, people are still going to hear your word and be changed by your blood. I just thank you for that, oh God. Right now, I ask that you just close yourself in. We have time from our normal time. I just want you to close yourself in with God for just a few moments. Let Him know how much you love Him. Let Him know how special He is to you because He gave you His all. And if there is a struggle in your life, whatever it is, give it to Him tonight. And then begin to reach out for those that are around you and ask God to use you to be an influence. So for the next few moments, just surround yourself in God.